All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Four Things. Amy here, and this is going to be an OG type episode where I've got four different things that I'm going to talk about, but they are all related. They're all about connection and creating friendships, relationships that are meaningful. I'm going to share mistakes that we're making that escalate arguments in relationships, whether it's with a spouse or a friend or a partner or a coworker or something. I am going to share how to make new friends as an adult, some tips for that. And I'm also going to read a listener email that's about connection with her dad. She has a question for me based on my relationship with my dad. And then I'll get into the benefits of having a work BFF and why that is important to your career. So with all that said, I guess we'll go ahead and get into the four different things on connection. So here you go. First thing. That's right. Is it good or bad for a relationship to have a fight from time to time? Oh, it's a must. 
<laughs> it's obligatory. The question is not so much the fighting. The question is really the repair. I think relationships follow a cycle of harmony, disharmony, and repair. When people fight about the same stuff, what they're fighting about is not the towel or the bathroom or the, who takes care of what or who takes the children every day or who is always late. What they're fighting about are actually three key groups of themes that are underneath those plot lines, which is power and control, closeness and care, and respect and recognition. Okay, so even though that video says having a fight from time to time is actually good for a relationship, arguing with someone, whether it's, you know, your partner, your spouse, a friend, it's never enjoyable. It really, honestly, regardless of whatever it is that you're fighting about, sometimes they can escalate and then, I don't know, I can speak for myself, it leaves me feeling guilty or maybe even hurt. And I saw an article that was put up sharing about how this psychotherapist, Dr. Daryl Appleton, was revealing that there are a few common mistakes that a lot of us make while arguing that end up escalating any fight or argument. And she offered some ways to avoid these mistakes. So I'm just going to share them here. One mistake that we're making is we argue about more than one thing at a time. So in the heat of the moment, many of us start bringing up past fights and piling on all the things that we're angry about into one sentence. And that's where Dr. Appleton says that this prevents a couple or a friendship or whatever it is with the relationship from targeting the root of the original issue. And she says that we should instead focus on one topic and address the other issues at a later time. So if you notice the conversation taking an unrelated turn, call it out and get it back on track. Uh, this next one is one that I am really trying to work on and have been for a while, and that's blaming language. We've talked about it here on the podcast before, but the blame game is, you know, when we just say, well, you do this and you do that. And that is just honestly never fun and not productive at all. Dr. Appleton says, instead, use language that emphasizes how you feel. So rather than saying, you never listen, say, I feel hurt because I don't feel like I'm being heard. And when you switch it like that, it just helps the other person hear how you're feeling and then it keeps them from getting defensive. And then vice versa, if you both speak to each other this way, it's very helpful in the conversation slash argument. <laughs> All right, the next thing that she shared is when we generalize, it's bad. Like generalizing in general, we should stop. So instead of using language that can make uh, the other person feel powerless, focus on what you're feeling in that moment. Don't generalize. So again, that brings back to you and your feelings, similar to the second thing that she shared. Now, the fourth thing is, if, is it the wrong time? I mean, a lot of times we might be picking the worst time possible to have said argument. And it can be tempting to argue with a partner or a friend or whatever as soon as the thing bothers you, but it actually does more harm than good to argue in a space that doesn't feel private or safe. Instead, Dr. Appleton said that you and your partner or friend should agree on a time and a place to work out the issue that doesn't bring on additional stress. Now, this waiting will also give you some time to reflect and relax before you enter the conversation clear-headed, which is, I think, a great way to enter any conversation. And you know, a lot of times kids might be around if it's with a partner or if you're trying to have a conversation with 
someone else in your life, but people are always around. It's just good to make sure you carve out that time for that conversation where you can feel free to say things and, and I mean, not say mean things by any means, but just have a conversation where you can say it all and you don't have to censor yourself or talk quietly because of other people that might be around because then that can get confusing. And then lastly, if we're having an argument where we're too tired or hungry, that is a problem. And I mean, we've all been sleep deprived before and then hangry is definitely a thing. That's when you're hungry and angry, obviously. So if you decide to start an argument when you're not in a level headspace, like maybe even if alcohol has been consumed, that's going to likely turn ugly. So there's this other relationship expert, Dr. Coldman Wetzler, who said to consider the theory called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now this states that basic psychological needs should be met before people can pursue more advanced needs like love and belonging. So if you aren't well rested, fed and relaxed, well, Dr. Goldman Welzer said you should not be trying to have an argument or a tough conversation. All right, so there you go. Those are five mistakes that we're making that might escalate arguments with friends, partners, spouses, or whoever it is, uh, maybe even a coworker. And we don't want to escalate arguments. We want to be level-headed and we want it to be a productive conversation and not end up worse than before it all started. And again, remember that TikTok video. It actually is okay for a relationship to have a fight from time to time. Second thing. For this thing, I want to talk about making friends as an adult because it can be difficult. And one reason why I want to focus on this is Lisa's newsletter, my friend Lisa Haim, that she sent out this last week, was titled How to Make New Friends as an Adult. And then another reason is... I am actually going back to Southern Pines, North Carolina this weekend to see some friends that I made as an adult, but it was hard for me to make these friends. I was probably in my late 20s when I moved to Southern Pines because my husband was in the Air Force and he was stationed at Fort Bragg and I moved there not knowing anybody. Fort Bragg's about 30 minutes from Southern Pines. We chose to live in this cute little quaint town as a lot of military people do if you're familiar with that area. And I knew no one. And I was like, well, how am I going to meet people? Because I was doing the Bobby Bone show, but I had to record from home. So I was working from home in a new town where I knew nobody. And my husband was gone half the time in Afghanistan or wherever the heck he was going. Sometimes I didn't even know. Like literally I would go 60 days without knowing where my husband was or what he was doing because there was no communication. And at the same time, I was expected to meet new friends. (laughs) And a lot of times too, when he was deployed, I would go back to Austin to stay with my mom and do the show from there. And so I really wasn't making the connections that I wanted to. So I had to make a concerted effort to just make friends however I could. One friend that I made is Kate, who I met her at Gold's Gym at a body pump class. And I pretty much just went up to her and started talking to her because I thought, well, she looks like we could be friends and clearly we have similar interests. We're both here at Body Pump. And then turns out we both enjoyed yoga. Her husband was also in the military. He was gone a lot. We had dogs. We had, I mean, she, her and her husband, Colin, shout out, they would watch our dog Josie for us so much. They loved dogs and they loved Josie. And she was my Rottweiler that we had for about 10 years. And 
we lost her to cancer a few months after I brought the kids home from Haiti. And that was such a difficult time. So if you if you never knew Josie, oh, she was like the cutest, sweetest, most precious Rottweiler in the world. But I loved it because she was also powerful with her look because of the stereotype. I hate that dogs have certain stereotypes, but if people knew that she was cool and safe, then they would come up and like talk. And that was a way to make connection was out walking Josie through the streets of downtown Southern Pines. But also it would almost like part ways with people because some people were like, oh, that's a Rottweiler. I'm scared of that type of dog, but they just didn't know how precious and sweet she was. So she was also a really good guard dog for me, especially since I spent so much time alone. But Kate is one example. I just had to straight up go up to her and say hi and introduce myself and we became friends. And then I'm going to Southern Pines this weekend to see my friend Sunday, who I met because she owns a cute little shop slash boutique in downtown Southern Pines called The Mockingbird. And I just went in there and was shopping one day and struck up a conversation and asked her to help me pick out some rugs. And then the next thing you know, we have a friendship. Her husband also in the military and he was gone a lot. So we hung out, but I had to just start speaking to adult strangers as an adult and introducing myself and seeing if there was a connection or a spark and we were able to create a friendship. And I love that now at 41 and I was in my late 20s then, I'm still friends with these people. And while we don't see each other all the time, we don't talk all the time. I mean, I haven't been back to Southern Pines in years, but I'm so excited to go back. And now that I've evolved and I'm working on myself and I'm looking for more connection, I hope to connect further with these relationships. Like by further, I guess I mean go deeper with them and, you know, nurture these relationships. And Friday night, we planned a big dinner. And another friend that is attending is my friend, Kathy, who I met at church. And she spearheaded the missions committee at our church. And she's the reason why I went to Africa. But that was me just getting curious about traveling the world and doing some mission work and showing up to a missions committee meeting. And in fact, I think Kathy just straight up maybe came up to me and was like, hey, I think you and your husband would be good for this. You need to come. And instead of being like, oh no, I don't I don't really know if I have time to travel the world because I really didn't. I had to get permission. And thankfully, Bobby was super cool about it to get two weeks off straight from the show so that I could go to Africa and have that experience. Because the longest we ever took from vacation at a time was one week at a time minus Christmas time. And this was in the summer. And so I needed two weeks straight. And so I'm super thankful for that. And then the connection and the friendship that I made with Kathy. And she's going to be coming to that dinner. And I texted her the other day and said, hey, dinner reservations at Ashton's this time. See you there, which Chef Warren's, that's where we normally like to go. But shout out Chef Warren, if you're ever in downtown Southern Pines. He turned 60 and he's out traveling the world with his wife. So they're out of the country and they're not open. Of course, the one week that I'm going, they're not open. So we're going to go to Ashton's, which is another place that we also love. But I texted Kathy, again, not someone I talk to all the time, but she has been a huge part of my life and very involved with some things that have been going on with me the last couple of years and a very helpful friend and resource for me. But again, we're not talking all the time, but I texted her and said, hey, we're doing dinner here. And she said, oh my goodness, this is so perfect. Can't wait to be there. This text just made my day. And so all this to say, if you can't tell, I'm very, very excited about my weekend ahead in Southern Pines and connecting 
with some friends that I made as an adult. But as I, I think back and how I had to make these friends, I had to go outside of my comfort zone. I had to just do things, go to meetings, meet people, talk to strangers. And that's what it takes. Otherwise, I was going to be stuck at home, not really making any sort of connections. Again, being that I did the Bobby Bone Show, but from my house, I didn't have work pushing me out there into the town to get to know people, which is often how we do it, right? But if you don't have that, what do you have? And I'm so thankful for Lisa's newsletter that went out that touches on this topic, but then the podcast that she recorded to go along with it, sharing 10 tips and tools that she uses to make new friends in adulthood. And so I'm going to read this newsletter and then send you to her podcast episode so that you can check that out. All right, here's what Lisa sent out. If you really know me, you know my non-toxic trait is being exceptionally good at making new friends. Don't get confused here. I'm not the person with loads and loads of friends, but my empath spirit thrives on close female friendships rooted in real connection. This has gotten harder to pull off as an adult. The other day, I was pulling up to meet a new friend for a girl date. Hi, Irene. And it was my first official in-person meeting with a new person since becoming a mom. We hadn't met yet in person, only texted after someone suggested that we may like each other. Yes, I picked her up by text. As I sat in my car, anxious and excited, I went through my mental checklist of how to be a human being. LOL, that sounds bad. I promise meeting new people didn't always require such calculation and prep, but with two years of COVID and the stakes high for me wanting new friends, I admit my in-person social skills are rusty and a little brushing up was necessary. So I took a deep breath and imagined meeting her, the things I'd wanna share and not share, things I wanted to be mindful of, and if things were going to go well, things I'd do or say to hopefully deepen our bond and make a meaningful first impression. In preparing for this, I realized this is an opportunity to share with you my process because the truth is we never stop meeting new people. This skill set has let me connect with amazing people in the most unsuspecting places like jury duty, and I can't imagine my life without them. You may be eager to meet new people, people that truly get you, that you can be your truthiest self with, but are unsure where to start. My guide in this podcast episode will help you out. And then she attached 10 tips and tools to making new friends in adulthood, which the title of her podcast is how to make adult friendships. That's the title of the episode. And then Lisa's podcast is called The Truthiest Life. So if you want to find it, just go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in the truthiest life. It should be one of the latest episodes up there, but since podcasts are weird and you might be listening to this a whole year after I put this up, just search the truthiest life, how to make adult friendships. And that episode should pop up. And I encourage you to subscribe and follow Lisa's podcast, whatever, wherever you're listening, however that ends up happening and uh, see if you like it. I enjoy Lisa's content so much and the light that she is in this world. And I am thankful for, for this conversation of how to make new friends as an adult and the fact that she shared, we never stop meeting new people. And I think sometimes we forget that. And especially these last two years being in such isolation, we are a little rusty and we are evolving as people. You might be moving across the country. You might be moving across the world and you've got to, you know, brush up on your people meeting skills. Again, for 
deep, meaningful connection. There might be some surface type relationships out there, which are okay too, but deep connection is, I think, what we're, I can speak for myself, I'm starting to long for. So I'm thankful for Lisa being a guide to me in that way because she truly does know how to connect in a deep, meaningful way. So shout out Lisa Haim. This is a little appreciation thing for you, making you this thing and your light that you are into this world and you sharing with us, again, how to make new friends as an adult. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual essential for women, 18 plus multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption 
of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. All right, so for this thing, I'm going to be sharing a listener email that I got. I haven't had time to confirm whether or not I could say her name or not, so I'll just leave it as anonymous. But uh, she did email after she heard me say something on the Bobby Bone Show about my relationship with my dad and the type of connection we had. And quite honestly, when I was growing up, I didn't have much of a connection with my dad. (laughs) He moved out when I was nine. And I mean, he was around for certain things, but he always provided, which was super cool. My mom was a single mom and worked all the time and she did the best that she could, but they were able to have an amicable split. Even though I know my mom was hurt very badly, she was super awesome and mature about it. I have so much respect for how my mom handled uh, my dad leaving and the whole divorce. But also sometimes I feel like maybe I wish she would have you know, just gotten a little mad and stood up for herself more than she did, but that's okay. That is for another day. And both of my parents have passed away, by the way, in case you're a new listener. So I can't have conversations with them as an adult. And as I'm growing and wondering things and wanting to maybe see if we could have done things differently or if they would have handled it differently, some stuff I do know they would have other things I still have questions. So maybe if your parents are still living and there's things you want to talk to them about, now is the time to do it, which leads me to the email that I got from a listener. Hey, Amy, I heard you talk on Friday's show about your dad and how you would have preferred the quality time versus all the financial love he gave you. I've been struggling with that for years and had the same exact conversation with my therapist just this last week. So I'm curious if you ever spoke to him about it and how did you go about doing it? I'm 29 and I know that I should express it to him, but it's the hardest thing I think I'll have to do. Thanks. P.S. Today I'm grateful for my husband always, green tea because I'm on a coffee break, traveling to London in a few weeks with my friends, and the warmth that is summer. So those are the four things that she shared that she's thankful for. And now to this listener and anyone else that is listening right now, I will say, and while your situation might be different, if you're like, oh, well, this isn't the type of conversation I have to have with my dad. It's actually a talk I would like to have with my mom. And it's not about, you know, money or connection. It's about something else. 
But I would say that each parent is so different. Each human being is so different. So without me having all the details, it's hard to say how you should go about doing it. And I know you're asking how I went about doing it. And the truth is I really didn't have many tough conversations with my parents. There's some stuff that naturally came up when my mom was on her deathbed. And my sister had a conversation with my dad and some like in a, in a tough love type of way. And I think my dad, after his fourth marriage failed and he got divorced, had an awakening. He also had went into a major financial crisis and didn't have the funds and the roles switched. And we started almost helping support my dad, which he was very grateful for. He lived with my sister for a long time as an adult man in his 70s. And he went to work for my brother-in-law at Root Design, which if maybe some of y'all are familiar with Root Design now because it's being featured on their HGTV show, Building Roots. The season's up, but I think maybe you could still go watch it if you wanted to. But oh my gosh, my dad would have freaked out if he would have been alive to see that show come to fruition. By the way, it's really cool to think about um, because my dad was always an amazing cheerleader. So I will say, while he wasn't great at connecting on a deep level, he was the biggest cheerleader for us that you would ever meet, like ever. So I kind of get goosebumps thinking about him and being able to see the show, but he passed away before that could happen. But all that to say is he sort of had this awakening himself. Like once he was stripped of everything, he realized what was important and he was able to communicate to us. And he asked my mom for forgiveness like days before she died. He later had a talk with us and said, you know, he wished he would have known better earlier in his life. But the problem is he didn't really do anything to try to connect, even though he wanted to. But I think he needed to do maybe a little more work to get there himself. And while he did make the step of having that conversation and the realization of like, oh, you know, I didn't really connect with y'all in the way that I should. And I chased the wrong things my whole life. And I was always chasing work opportunities and not being there for y'all like like I should have. Again, he wasn't buying us lavish, lavish things. Now it's all relative. Like some people paying for a car and gas in college, that is lavish. So I do recognize that for sure. That's not lost on me at all. But those are the things that I'm talking about that he showed up for and paid for. Like I didn't have to work or, or you know, worry about paying for my needs in that way. But it's not like he was taking me on, I don't want to get confused or y'all to get confused that he was taking me on weekend shopping trips and was like, buy whatever you want, make yourself happy. It wasn't that kind of money or that kind of relationship, but it still was a, hey, you know, I'm providing for you. I'm giving you this stuff. So I'm here for you. So look, look at us. Look at me being a dad and you being a kid. And he didn't have that kind of thing. He lost his dad when he was only a month old and he lost his mom when he was 18. So he worked his entire life and paid for everything himself. So I think he wanted to give us those basic things that he never had of like car, gas, education, and other things that, you know, we needed. But let me circle back to this email about how I know that this listener is looking for a way to have that conversation with their parent. But the thing that stuck out to me the most was 
she's in therapy. So she has a therapist. And I would say your therapist knows more of your backstory. And hopefully you've shared some family history with her. So she knows a little bit about your dad and she can offer you the best way to go about having this conversation. And I would work through it with her. It may take several weeks for y'all to come up with a plan and then for you to muster up the strength to do it because you you fear his response. And that is very natural and normal for you to not want to hurt him in any way or for it to be taken the wrong way. So if you present it in a way that you know that he'll hear and that he doesn't have an opportunity to get defensive about what you're saying, and he can see your heart behind it and that you're just truly wanting to connect with him, daughter to father, then this could be the beginning of a very beautiful thing. But I would use your your therapy sessions for the next few weeks to try to walk through what that might look like. It sounds like you've already started to have that conversation with your therapist. So what could it look like if you actually take action and continue digging into this urge to express something like this to your dad? And I know it's not easy. Having any conversation can be uncomfortable when it's about a need that you have that's not being met, but you have every right to express this to your dad. And my hope is that he'll walk away super thankful and proud of the daughter that he has raised that can see the value in connection and meaningful connection and relationships. And that you're saying it at 29 before it's too late. Because again, I think my dad had the realization and I don't think honestly he was sick the last few years of his life. And I didn't really have the guts to have much of a deep conversation with him. And I I miss that opportunity. So my hope for you is that you don't. And again, while my dad had the realization that he could have done it differently, it's almost like he also had this mentality of like, but you know, I get it. It's a little too late. And he really had trouble talking towards the end of his life. And it was very difficult for him. And that sucked too, because he was a very social person and loved to talk. So I think it sent him into a little bit of a depression and he just wasn't himself. So For my family, it was almost like it all came a little bit too late. And I don't want that for you, this listener that sent this in, or you, anybody else listening, where this conversation is resonating you when it comes to having a conversation with anybody in your life where you have a need and it's not being met, or you have a desire for connection and you don't feel like you have it. And I have been on the receiving end of those conversations where I'm not the one connecting. So I know what it's like to maybe want to get defensive and to to fear that person not receiving it the right way. But I have appreciated those have it, that have made the tough call in my life to have these conversations with me and kind of call me out on it in a kind, loving way. So I can speak to like both sides of this at the moment. So good luck, listener. Thank you for the email. And also thank you for sharing four things that you are thankful for today. And I encourage a lot of you to to do that daily if you can, or once a week, or maybe even just look around and find one thing that you're thankful for if four seems like a little too much right now. All right, so for this final thing on connection, I want to talk about the benefits of having a work BFF. Now, maybe you already have one and you're like, yes, it's amazing, but maybe you don't have one and you're wondering why in the world you might need to become friends with someone that you work with, but Fast Company put out an article that shared the reasons 
why now more than ever, you should have a work BFF. And they actually listed four reasons. The first one being that you can lean on each other. Now the pandemic has been tough on everyone, but those that are working in jobs like healthcare, education, as frontline responders and office workers, those that have stuck with their jobs during these crazy two years consistently, they give one answer as to why they've stayed and it's work friends. Someone said, quote, without my friends, I never would have gotten through this. The days were long, the work was really hard, but through the layers of all of this, I'd find my friend's eyes and know that I would be okay. That quote specifically came from a nurse who worked alongside a friend. And I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine being a healthcare worker the last few years. So if you happen to be one, all the praises to you because you are truly heroes. And the second thing they shared is we're social creatures. So humans want people to listen. They want people to laugh with us, make us feel included. And while we get this from our loved ones outside of our jobs, having someone at work to experience those things with makes all the difference in the world when it comes to being happy at your job. The third reason is they help us perform better. Research shows that workplace friends help promote creativity and can make employees more productive as well. And then the fourth reason is we really just want to be happy. Having a work bestie definitely brings us joy on the job. And it turns out that's something people value more and more of these days. According to a recent survey about friends in the workplace, people value happiness even more than their pay. It shows that 58% of respondents say that happiness at work is more important than salary and a work BFF is a big part of that. So for some of you, you're thinking, there is no way I can be friends with anybody that I work with. And I just want to challenge you on that. Maybe you can dig a little deeper. Maybe you can look around your workplace, your office, or however it is. Maybe you're working remotely. Is there someone you can connect with and start chatting with and texting with and sharing things with? And not so you can be a part of any sort of office gossip or anything like that, but just finding that joy and that happiness. And again, it may even help improve your work performance because like I said, the research shows that workplace friends help promote creativity and creativity in the workplace is where it's all about. And we're never too old to be growing and getting better at our craft and what we do, no matter where it is, whatever your profession is, what no matter where you fall, you can always continue to be better at it. Okay, so there you have it. Benefits of having a work BFF. And if you haven't already have one, make sure you send your bestie a text message to listen to this episode so they can know all of the benefits that y'all are offering each other, um, being friends at work. And good luck to the rest of you that are gonna be on the hunt to find that work BFF. The next thing that I have coming up this week is on Saturday, my Outweigh podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to disordered eating, eating disorders, body image issues. The tagline is a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And that podcast is all about connection for those of you that are in this space, that are on the journey, hopefully the road to recovery soon, but it's not an easy one. It's a long journey. And that is why I continue to do outweigh, even though Lisa, who, you know, I shared her newsletter earlier in this episode, Lisa Hames, she was my original co-host on that. And she had to step away to prioritize some other things in her life, which I totally respect. 
And we thought about dissolving it, but we're keeping it going. And I'm just bringing on other experts because I'm someone that's in recovery. I don't feel equipped to be the expert. I don't want to ever say anything that's triggering. And I want to lean into what the professionals have to say because they're in this work. They're in the thick of it every single day. And I can just share my experience and hopefully that will offer some encouragement to those of you that are in it and you won't feel alone. And that is the point of Outweigh to be that weekly dose. Episodes are about 15, 20 minutes long of encouragement and a reminder that you got this. You're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not the only person in the world thinking this about your body or feeling this way about food or whatever the case may be. You are not alone. So I highly encourage you to check out Outweigh this Saturday. The episode will upload. You just got to subscribe, download, or follow. I guess some some subscribe, some follow, and then um, maybe even rate and review if you feel led to do that. And then it, I would love to hear from you on the four things email as well. If you want to hit me up, four things with Amy Brown at gmail.com. And I hope y'all have a great rest of your day. Bye. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.